This is episode two of the Outfield Podcast, and the guest today is Roy Moyetta, who is DC United's player care manager, one of the great men behind the scenes at an MLS club, openly gay, and has a great story to tell. We talk about him working with players, including Wayne Rooney, and so much else. We know you're going to enjoy this interview. We also want to say we are now on Twitter at the Outfield Pod, so please follow us there. We are on Apple Podcasts, the Outfield Podcast on Stitcher, on Player FM, and more places to come soon. So, make sure to follow us in all these areas. Make sure to enjoy the show, which is coming up in just a second. Episode 2 of the Outfield with Rory Moyetta, DC United's player care manager, or as some really terrible British tabloid called him, the man in the striped shirt. <laughs> that's, my, uh, that's my alter ego. It is your alter ego. You know what's really funny about that? You know, British tabloids are terrible. I think we all know this. But they couldn't have done a Google search to figure out who you are. I mean, it's not like you hide what you do. For sure. And... and- you know, I, uh, not that I'm looking for attention or fame or anything like that, but they know exactly who I am and, and they could have at least said, you know, team official, you know, club employee, not just <laughs> the friend in the striped shirt, the man in the striped shirt. So that's hilarious. It's okay, though. Are you now going uh, to be known in all of the gay circles in DC as the man in the striped shirt? Oh, it's not just gay circles. It's, well, the problem with the gay world in DC and really anywhere is, Everybody wears striped shirts, so this is nothing new for us. Good news but, for me. Uh, I actually wore wear striped shirts, so that's okay. Okay, there you go. There you go. That's all right. That's not for everybody. But I wore a striped shirt today, actually, not even thinking about it. And at least three people in the office said, oh, hey, nice striped shirt. It's, it's uh, going to be uh, your thing now. You have no choice. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm committed to it. It's not my world or not my choice, but it's okay. <laughs> it's not the content we need. It's the content we deserve. Exactly. Okay, for sometimes on this show, there will be people on whose story you already know beforehand. In Rory's case, you probably don't, because unless you're a very, very, very dedicated follower of MLS or very, very, very dedicated follower of gay Twitter, you probably don't know who he is, but you should. And that's what this podcast is for. So, Rory, for those people who don't know who you are, please tell them a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, well, appreciate having uh, me on. Um, It's good to talk to you. Uh, I... Like you said before, I'm the player care manager at DC United, and that means a couple things. Uh, I take care of all of our logistics for our travel, uh, so whether that's planning our flights when we go away, uh, you know, all those meals, buses, uh, hotel reservations, all that kind of stuff. I help coordinate all that um, along with my department, and then I help guys coming into the to the team, whether it's from around the world, from within the league right out of college, I help them relocate to DC and find a house, find a car, get a cell phone, get a visa, all the immigration stuff. And lately, uh, in the last year, I've been assigned to take care of a player named Wayne Rooney, who we've been fortunate enough to have, uh, not only in the league, but obviously with DC United in DC here. So I take care of uh, everything for him, him and his family while they were here. I was their go-to guy. 
Well, he's still here. I mean, we're recording this in September. He is still here. Yet. He's still here. Maybe I saw if you listen to this podcast in January, he, he won't be here anymore. But <laughs> at this moment, we'll, we'll talk about Wayne Rooney because there's so much I want to get to with him. Uh, for but, sure. But for you, this is about you. If Wayne Rooney came out as gay, that would be amazing, but that's not what happened. This is about you. Definitely so, not going to happen. Not what's going to happen. <laughs> no, it isn't. But, well, we'll talk about more of that in a bit. But I want to start sure. with you first because your life story is pretty interesting. And as a journalist, you always look for stories like this. And for you, I want to start very young. Your father's Spanish, your mother's Panamanian, and you were born in Venezuela. That's it's a an interesting, interesting mix. That is a very interesting combination. And the... it's pertinent for what we get to later. But sure. I want to get to you because growing up, there's a lot that forms somebody. And for you, that is an incredibly interesting background. So well, what's the story of you and your family dynamics? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the wherever I am, the where you're from question is always super complicated because I typically just default to Spain because uh, that's the majority of, of the truth. Uh, if I got into further details, it would be, again, be much more complicated because it's, oh, okay, you're from Spain, but were you born there? Oh, no, I was born in Venezuela. Oh, okay, but you're Venezuelan? No, I just was born there. My parents are from here. Oh, but how are you living here? Oh, my mom grew up in the United States and in, in the D.C. area, so that's how we came back here. Another, you know, facet to the to the dynamic. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a kind of, you know, a fun mix. Makes my life super interesting for sure. I got family all over the place. But my parents met there while they were, my dad was playing soccer and uh, owned a couple of restaurants. My mom was a journalist. She was a journalist down there. And they met. And, you know, a couple of years later, there I came. My sister <laughs> was born as well. And then we, we moved up to, to D.C. So Venezuela, to Northern Virginia. Venezuela, when you were born, it's not Venezuela now, obviously. It's not now. It was very, very different back then. I should make that very clear. If you're listening to, if you just hear the name Venezuela now, you think of something that, that wasn't at that time. Yeah, although to be honest, it definitely was not how it is now, of course. It was, it was not, you know, riots and protests all the time and, and you know, very dangerous and, and economic turmoil, but it wasn't great which is kind of the reason we moved out Uh, my mom like i said she's a journalist at the time was covering things like the coups we survived two coups while we were there there was several you know big situations there that my mom was like you know what maybe we shouldn't stay here as a family maybe we should leave and go to the united states or go to spain Uh, so although it wasn't the same it wasn't great and it was kind of shifting towards what it became uh, which is why we ended up leaving and you know, as a kid, I was always sad about that because that was kind of, as a young kid, that's kind of what I connected with where I was born. And I always wanted to go back and visit and, and at least see it. I heard it was such a beautiful country and kind of explore where I considered where I was from, which is not untrue, but uh, I have no Venezuelan family. So I'm just like Venezuelan by paper because I was born there. Um, and my mom kind of said, you know what? You're happy to go there whenever you want once you turn 18. But, I, you know, we're not going back. It's And obviously, as I got older and older and older, the situation there got worse and worse. Um, and I got to at least, you know, kind of see that and explore that with my own research and figure out, okay, maybe it's not a great place to go visit. Maybe it's not a great place to spend some time. Uh, so I gave up that dream, unfortunately. 
hopefully one day. Uh, as it hopefully turns one out, day I'll get to go back. As it turns out, Major League Soccer Venezuela is now coming to you. Exactly. Yeah, which is great. It's a. Uh, it actually is, is pretty cool to to meet so many. MLS has created the Venezuelan national team pretty much. <laughs> I don't want to say it kind of like uh, that, but it kind of feels like that. I mean, lately, I think you're not wrong. Um, I mean, there's there's Venezuelans who obviously play in England and play uh, in Spain and maybe Italy. Um, so there's you know <laughs> plenty of Venezuelans in Europe and the big European leagues as well. But there's a huge contingent here, uh, and it's kind of become a safe haven for them and a, a, a new opportunity, a new life for these guys and their families. So now I kind just of knowing our player who's here that's exactly how he feels um and he's he's super fortunate and, and super excited to to make this opportunity work for them because of how you know terrible really the situation is back home for them i can imagine a lot of venezuelan players think that way not just soccer but also baseball of course and there's yeah all that well everybody really all the people right like yes and now it makes more sense why you identify more spanish as opposed to anything else for sure i mean I, again i kind of realized listen I was never going back there. I have no family there. And we went back to Spain as a kid every two years, every year or so. I studied there in college. I spent a lot of time there after college. Um, so that's where all my family is, all my dad's family. So it, it, that's that's what I decided to align myself with. Makes sense. I mean, my grandfather was born in Germany, but I don't consider myself German. There's good reasons for that. But sure. anyway, uh, and also... You don't have the most Spanish-sounding name. That's one thing I have to ask. Well, Rory is not my legal name, um, but it makes my sense last name shorthand. Yeah, last name is Moyeda. Well, it I pronounced is, it correctly. Rodrigo is my full name. <laughs> you did. You did. You did great. Well, I mean, if I if I learned anything from one summer in Barcelona and a couple of weeks in Madrid and watching most soccer games in Spanish when the English commentary is, um, you know. It is what it is, or the games are not on in English. You know, you learn. Sure. You, you learn a little bit. Sure. My Spanish is crap, but at least I can understand it. There you go. Hey, that's a, that's half of the battle. I, I should learn it more. Like if I went along with somebody who was asking questions in Spanish, maybe the accent. It depends on the accent and how much I'd be in trouble. If it was an Argentine, I might be in trouble. <laughs> because <laughs> everybody I, says was, that to me. Well, he was an Andres Cantor, and he goes a mile a minute because they don't have the S with Argent with Argentines. The S goes away. And that's kind of important. Now, I've learned to yeah. pick it up, and you know this because DC United has a couple of Argentines. And the, the tweet that I laughed about this, because I remember it was Spanish, was, I think it was Pablo Mara, who we're going to mention more on the show, talked about Vos slipping into his Spanish. And if you speak yeah. Spanish, you know what you're talking about. And even though I don't, I know what that implies, and that made me laugh. Yeah, I, <laughs> it made me laugh quite a bit. We texted a bit after that, too. That's... Um. That's that's an inside baseball if you speak Spanish, and some of you may or may not. But Vos is a thing that exists in Argentina, pretty much nowhere else. Yep. And for reasons yep. I cannot begin to explain, and nor do I want to. But let's, <laughs> so now you moved to the beautiful DMV, and uh, you played soccer. I believe you said you played D two. I played D three. D three. I love D three. I call D three soccer. There's good things about it. That's great. That's great. I mean, they care I mean, about I, soccer just as much as the D1 athletes do. Yeah, for sure. And it, I mean, I think it was, obviously, I, I wish I could have been at the level to play D1. And, and maybe if I had 
really committed myself a little earlier in my life, I would have been okay. Uh, or I would have been able to get there at least. Um, but I, I wasn't quite at that level at that time. And I just had to go D3. And for academically, for the school side, it was much more important for me because I went to a pretty small school. Um, it's half the size of my high school, which was just like a, a total change in my life, like in terms of the environment of my school, because I knew everybody, I saw everybody every day, you know, that kind of very small school, private D3, liberal arts type feel. Um, but it was great and it was awesome and, and soccer was great and I, I loved practicing every day and I loved playing every day. Um, it was just, it was a good opportunity and, and just awesome to get, keep my competitive career going as long as I could. As a reminder, no scholarships in D3. So yeah. This is, this is really no scholarships. the love of the game. I, mean, I, I, I still, I play like three, four times a week because I, I just love playing. Um, as long as my body will let me do it, I'm going to do it as long as I can and that's what playing in D3 is about. Oh yeah, I I have to show you when we're done. A uh, team that I did some games for that I've done some other teams since then. Uh, the one year I did some of their games, a game I didn't do because it was at the U.S.-Mexico game in Columbus that they lost. The day after they were playing an NCAA tournament game and there was a giant brawl. I'll have to show you the video of that when we're done with this. But Oh no. Oh, oh yes, it was a thing that definitely existed and it was a shame I didn't get a chance to call it because I had to watch Jurgen Klinsmann ruin our lives. Anyway... <laughs> Anyway, uh, we have to get to the real reason why you're here, which is your sexuality. And how does it come into play for you? Because you have a Latin American background. You're born in Venezuela, and it's not Spain. It's Latin. Latin. Uh, so that's a different background to be dealing with this. And it's very different compared to some of the people that we see telling their stories. Yes? So for you, for sure. what, how does that happen? And how does that become a part of your life as you get older? How does it happen? Great question. Um, not. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know what I mean by that. We we don't know, it, kids. It's genetics and epigenetics, and I could explain that to you, but no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, how no, do you, I mean, you recognize it and you rationalize it as you start to get older and you start to have a comprehension of what it means? Yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody's experiences is is a little different and people's experiences can vary quite a bit, but I think everybody kind of has the same, at least, you know, maybe impetus that there's at one point in your life that you kind of realize, Oh man, like I think I'm a little different and you don't exactly know what it is. Or maybe, you know, a little bit more what it is earlier in your life or not. But, um, I always knew that there was something there. I didn't know what that meant exactly, but I always knew I had this attraction and I, you know, I, I, thought the boys were cute i wanted to look at them instead of the girls i was friends with all the girls in elementary school and middle school right um so i, I had those tendencies let's call them i guess um but it didn't really for me you know i i was fortunate enough that i didn't really deal with any i don't know like self-hate or um you know religious pressure you know i grew up catholic but it's when i heard people talk about that kind of stuff in church or like in sunday school or whatever i just it didn't really bother me it was just like oh okay it's not that i internalized that and and maybe question like who i was and you know maybe have a self-hate that i needed to deal with so i was i was pretty lucky in that sense because you know that's maybe not the vast majority but i think a lot of um, gay guys gay men even women you know uh, 
trans people also have that go through that process of, you know, really struggling to come to terms with who they are for whatever reason. Um, I was lucky enough to not have that. And on top of that, my parents were pretty, you know, liberal. They were, you know, just very supportive in every way. And I didn't, when it came the time to kind of come out and realize what that I needed to come out and then talk to them, I didn't think there was any, there was going to be any repercussions from that. There was going to be no like, oh, you know, you're going to get kicked out or you need to go see a counselor or you need to go talk to the priest or whatever. There was none of that. Um, I knew it was going to be okay, but you know, coming out for the first time is, is difficult for anybody, no matter how easy it's going to be. Um, in the end, at least you always think, oh, like you always have these thoughts in the back of your head. Something's going to go wrong. Something's going to say something, you know, but it, it all, like, <laughs> as it was always going to, it was fine. My parents were fine. You know, my sister was fine. Everybody in my life was, was very supportive. I had nobody, again, I'm very fortunate that I had nobody that really in, reacted negatively to that news about me. And that helps um, so much because even... It helps with everything, right? Like, yeah, I mean, even me. I mean, I come from arch liberal family, never knew there was going to be a problem and there wasn't any. But for me, it was almost like, uh, they're going to still think of me differently though. For sure. Because that's, sure. that's the it doesn't matter, you know, what, what you're coming out as. They, you're still going to be thought of differently now. And that irrevocably changes. No matter when you come out, no matter what your family dynamic is. In some cases, it's worse than others. Thankfully for us, it didn't happen that way. But that's still a hard thought to get out of your head, right? For sure. For sure. You know you're always going to be different from... You know, your parents are from, from who they thought you were as a kid in school, as an adult, whatever it is. Um, so that can be tough to deal with. But uh, I think that with families who are good enough to give their children or their whoever that support and say, you know, listen, yeah, you are maybe different, but that doesn't mean you're not special. That doesn't mean you're not loved. And that was a, a very important message that my parents um gave to me and continue to give to me to this day right mm -hmm. and so what is that process of coming out like for you how does it happen in terms of who's first when does it happen does it yeah. happen slowly or does it happen all at once everybody is um, different and learning sure. why it's different is i think something that i want to do on this show because you you never really realize how different these things are until you actually talk to people about it because for sure. you come from your own mindset and you come from, well, here's a certain way it happens. Right. For sure. And you think, you know, and every way is valid and every way is, is appropriate for that person. Um, there's no right or wrong way to do it. But for me, uh, it always comes back to soccer. Um, you know, growing up my whole life, really, I was always, as I said, always friends with girls, but I also always had girlfriends, you know, um, and I dated a couple of girls like semi-seriously like in college and saw one who ended up being my best friend um, after I came out. But uh, I remember it's 2013, it was my senior year, and Robbie Rogers just penned his letter retiring and at the same time coming out as gay. And I remember reading it and I, I kind of knew who Robbie was at the time, but I knew he was like an ex-MLS player, somewhat on the national team 
but he was in England and I like kind of, you know, followed his career as like an American abroad. Um, but not like super intense, but I knew who he was. And when he came out and he retired, I was like, Oh shit. Like, first of all, that's kind of crazy that number one, he's gay. Number two, he thinks he has to retire because of it. He can't continue to work where he's doing that because he's gay. And number three, maybe that's me. Like maybe that I'm having those same feelings. And it ended up, you know, I thought quite a lot about it. And within the next like three, four months, I started thinking more about it. And by like about like right after my graduation, so early summer of that year, I ended up telling my very best friend uh, who I've known since, I don't know, seventh grade or something, um, since middle school. And then I told this girl that I had been kind of seeing. So I kind of like broke up with her ish, right? Like we weren't like official dating, but we were talking, we were going on dates or hanging out. I had to like end things with her and at the same time come out to her because I had to give her a reason, right? So it's kind of double whammy for her. So I feel really bad about that conversation, but it couldn't have gone any other way. So um, she, to her credit, you know, same thing is a great person and I love her dearly and said, okay, I'm going to need a minute, but I still love you. Like, you know, I don't want you out of my life. So we've been great friends ever since. Um, and then slowly, you know, started to tell friend here, friend there. And my family came uh, for Thanksgiving or the time for my family to find out was Thanksgiving of that year. So, um, and by that time I'd kind of told everybody that I needed to like have a proper conversation with. So what is it like telling your parents? You, you know, everything's going to be fine, but you also kind of like, well, what are they going to think? Did they, yeah, I mean, did, 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 did it happen that they suspected it or is it, I mean, I hate saying that, but it sometimes happens with people and they'll say, yeah, for sure. And with you, what was it like coming out to your parents? Because I can remember coming out to my mother, and it just took thirty minutes to actually say it. Yeah, was, yeah, for sure. Because it's like I you mean, can you can script saying it in your head a thousand times, and when you get actually out there and doing it, it becomes impossible. And that's actually what happened. Um, you know, I thought about it all day, and I ended up telling my sister. I remember my sister was like leaving to go visit her friend, and her friend was here to pick her up. And I went up to her room to say, "Hey, listen, like by the way, I'm gay." Um, that's actually a funny I story. I told my that... sister on Skype and she screamed. I thought my ears were going to blow up. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, well, she was at school at the time, and I was just like, eh, that's the best way of doing this. Okay, Skype. Yeah. Okay. And uh, she it was like, she's fine, but it just, my headphones almost exploded. Oh, no. <laughs> that's fine. I've, Hopefully your ears recovered. Uh, and my ears have definitely recovered, considering what I've heard since. Uh, that's not a joke about <laughs> getting like, hate for being bisexual. That's just, you know, I've heard dumb stuff recently yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I, put, I mean, put it this way I'm, I'm, I'm still recovering from looking at twitter on friday night watching u.s men's national team game don't go on twitter when the u.s men's national team plays soccer it's a terrible idea i, well, I was about to say twitter in general but yeah that's, well no twitter i yeah. think actually has good uses because you get introduced to people like you but there are some of course when you should know better and i should know better <laughs> than to do that by now and i'm still stupid enough to do it and you know what we're recording this the monday before they play uruguay i'm gonna do it again probably and i will too i'll be right there with you and i and, I, and people are like you're actually kind of rational when you think about these things and i said yeah i'm, a, I'm thinking yeah i'm a journalist of course i'm rational i've covered the team in person multiple times but then you right. get on twitter and mm, nothing it's just <laughs> it just goes out the window twitter is a great place for 150 follower angry people who well not much else to do 
yelling at the U.S. men's national team or yelling at some sports thing. I don't yep. know. Anyway, back to back to telling your sister. I'm sorry. That's that's. We, I promised Rory that I would cut down on the diversions before this podcast, and then it happened again. <laughs> no, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I'm, I think the same way. Well, but uh, but back to your yeah, coming out to your to your sister because I I would try to set up times for like a long period of time where I knew it was open ended rather than oh by the way I'm walking out the door right. That, that honestly is kind of what I wanted. Well, that's not what I wanted, but like it's almost easier that way because it's like okay now you have to go and we can talk about any questions you have later. <laughs> like let me get it out of the way and then it doesn't have to be a long conversation right now, right? Um, which is I, and I don't know I didn't know what my sister was gonna think. I'm sure she was gonna be fine, but it ended up being fine. But the funny part is her one of her best friends who was actually just in her wedding this weekend and we talked about this quite a bit. By the way, um, to her. I did nothing. Okay, yeah, thank you to her. Great, so happy for her. But everybody says that to me. Congrats, like so happy for you and your family. I'm like, I mean, thanks. I guess like well, we're I exciting, mean, I but that I didn't to happen. It's like for my sister. I get people <laughs> telling me, "Oh, congratulations, your sister got a job." I'm like, "Hey, I'm unemployed over here. Tell y'all want." But uh, she had just said this. Her best friend had had said, you know, like complaining about boys. I think, and she had said something along the lines of, "Rory." You know, if we're 30, like, can we please just get married? Like, we should just do it. You know, let's have a pact. And I was like, well, funny you say that. <laughs> the reason I came in here was. That's convenient. And uh, she, again, same with, uh, you know, my best friend. She was not that we were dating, but this, you know, my sister's friend was quite taken aback by the twist of that conversation. She did not think it was going to end like that. But, um, yeah, it just made it funny, at least. Everybody, uh, everybody had a laugh and, you know. Give me a hug, and it was fine. See, I tried to make My... jokes about it, but it didn't really work. I tried. Oh, to your parents coming out? Well, or yeah, to your sister? I mean, I tried to make jokes and being like, well, this is this is, this is is my genetics saying, well, if you stink at getting with one gender, I'll give you the chance of getting with another. We'll expand the playing field. <laughs> You'll have a bigger chance of hitting the dartboard you can't hit. There you go. <laughs> That's basically my joke about it, but I don't know. Go ahead and put it. it works, sometimes it doesn't. There you go. You have to learn how to ride with it. Uh, let's get back to, to DC United because the story of sure. how you become a player care manager, which is not a job that people think about when you think about soccer, although it's really, really important. Uh, so how no, does definitely it, not. How does it get to, for you, now working for a team you grew up watching? Which is still weird to say about an MLS team because MLS is younger than I am. Is young, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, same. Um, I studied sports management and Spanish as well in college. Um, and I did a couple different internships, did one with the ACC, uh, who was based in Greensboro. So we got to do a lot of cool events. Oh, me uh, and Greensboro. And well, University <laughs> of Maryland, Maryland fans love Greensboro. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. When they played the ACC tournament there and Maryland had to play rugby okay. games against Carolina and Duke. We don't uh, have yeah. to do that anymore right. now because they're in there the big 10. It's beautiful. I knew it wasn't going to be long before a Maryland reference came in. It's the DMV. I have no choice. <laughs> there we go. No, you had to. Well, especially because, you know, I could do a podcast for two hours on Maryland soccer, but this is not the time. If if I ever do get Robbie Rogers on this show, I'm going to have to tamp down the temptation to spend two hours on Maryland soccer and Maryland soccer alone. <laughs> I just, well, at I, least with him, it would be a good, you know, well, going, I mean, looking back on good I mean, memories, DC's right? always had, oh, for him, yeah, but for D.C., you've got Maryland players on there, and Maryland yeah, yeah. played at Audi Field a week ago and lost. Annoying. But I did, I'm sorry. Eh, well, they won the national championship. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's all that matters. Um, that is all that matters. You're right. So back to DC United. Uh, you you intern with them and are you uh, intern with like, them maybe after. I could I, maybe I can make something work here. Yeah, I mean, so I, I interned in the operations department at RFK, which at the time was like, you know, not to slight our current operations at Audi Field, but RFK, for those of you who don't know, is like a very antique, antiquated, old, I don't know how many more times, different ways I can say that, but stadium. And soon to be and gone. Because soon of... to be gone, now that recently reported by the Washington Post that yeah. it will be gone in tears, which makes me very sad, but that's a topic for another day. Well, where are the raccoons um, going to go? <laughs> oh, they'll find a home, I'm sure. There's plenty of places in Washington where they can find a home, particularly in that area of Washington, D.C. Yeah, exactly. Actually, no, we'll just send them to FedEx Field. <laughs> I hate that stadium. Um, piece of garbage. Anyway, sorry. No, no, no problem. So, uh, it was just a lot of work. Uh, but it was a great internship and great, great experience setting up stuff on game day and working different events like the gold cup and like the u.s centennial match and um you know so many different great events um but through that we worked really closely with the team at the time and i got to meet at the time the team administrator now and director of team operations and i kind of met him and and started talking with him about what he did and i just like a light bulb clicked and i was like wow you know i had no idea that this was even a job um and I, I mean, I guess you should have, just like you said, you should think about this role because it's very important. And how do teams get from one place to another? You know, you really have no idea. And that's kind of the point of our job really is to be behind the scenes so that nobody notices that we're there and everything goes smoothly. And if nobody says anything, then we did a good job. Right. Um, so I only met him and figured out that this was a whole, you know, career, whole world uh, through my current internship. And I wanted to continue that. And I was going to internship, going to do an internship with him uh, after that operations one had finished. I ended up getting a, part, or a full-time job at another company uh, because they were paying me money. So I had to say yes. My mom was not going to let me live at home for free anymore. Uh, so, and, and the more and more I think about how great my mother is letting me basically do that while I fail to find a job in play by <laughs> She is a good parent. for doing that. Knowing I was going to say. It's 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 rare and it doesn't happen very often and I have to appreciate it more than I I say it and then sometimes I realize do I really appreciate this as much as I do? Yeah, you should you should. Oh, I do. Not... The the longer I go without a job and the filing for health insurance now that I've turned twenty six made me really appreciate it more. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but yes, I came back and uh, after five months at this other role. Uh, the director of team ops gave me a call and said, Hey, listen, we have the position open. You know, do you want to interview for it? And two weeks later I had the job. So uh, that was in 20 at the end of 2013. Um, pretty easy. I wish every job like that. Yeah. I mean, I I like to say, obviously, you know, (laughs) I worked very hard on my internships in school and, and, in that interview and since then uh, I've worked hard to get to where I am today, but I was a little lucky with the timing of things. Uh, I'm, I'm glad the timing worked out. You know, a lot of people want these internships at the club, obviously to have a professional soccer team, a professional team of any kind on your resume is, is a big deal and they're very sought after and you know, you're pretty replaceable. So to 
to be able to impress enough that I got the internship, that I was able to get another internship through it, a full-time job through it, and then another full-time job back at the club with it. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's cool. And it's, it was, like you said, it's a team that I supported my whole life since I grew up around here. I went to games since I was a little kid at RFK. So I've spent a lot of time at that stadium and it's, uh, it's been a great, this is my seventh year. Is that right? Just, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Going into my seventh year as a full-time employee. Sounds pretty good. You've seen DC United go from, you know, team with the raccoons in the stadium to the team with Wayne Rooney. So, <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty big jump. For sure. For sure. So um, let's get to your sexuality in your job, because of course, in most normal professions in the world that we live in, even then in many regards, gay people in the workplace is nothing. You see that because stretches across all races religions everything but in professional sports it's still pretty rare and how do you tell the people oh oh by the way i'm gay and how does that go over because again in professional sports not the friendliest place in the world for it it's definitely better now but at the time how does your bosses do they just go like yeah you're doing a good job that's nothing we we worry too much about or how does that happen with you because as i said in professional sports you you really do never know yeah absolutely um i mean to be honest i didn't have a conversation with anybody uh like i said before once i told my parents like that was basically the last conversation that i ever planned to have like as a you know i need to sit you down and tell you this from once i graduated college and started working and started interning and all this stuff uh, you know, like those times lined up, right? The summer that I was coming out and telling people that was the summer that I was interning at DC United. Um, so it was quite the summer for me because a lot of stuff was happening for, professionally for me. A lot of stuff was changing and happening uh, personally in my personal life for me. So it was quite the three to four months there. But I just kind of lived my life. You know, I, I, I didn't hold back a lot. Um, I didn't you know, hide anything for the most part. Uh, and it got continuously kind of better and better at the, at the start, you know, you're in a new job. You want to make sure everybody likes you. You want to make sure you're doing a good job. So you, I, I didn't want to like, I don't know, be super out about it necessarily. I, I was a little self-conscious about it when I started because it's one thing to be Robbie Rogers, right. Or be Con Martin now or any of the other gay athletes that are around and be a, an athlete on the team. Because, and I'm sure if you've played sports, anybody here listening who's played sports, like when you're on a team, it's like a pretty special bond between your teammates that, you know, whether or not you get along, you know, like on the field, you're going to fight for each other no matter what. And like, that's just a special and pretty unique relationship. So it'd be much different if I had, you know, if I was a player, if I had come out like on my college soccer team, rather than doing it as a staff member of the team. Cause like, yeah, everybody likes me and I get along with everybody and I'm part of the club and I'm part of the team staff, but I'm not really part of that team. So it was, it's important to, for me, it was important to make sure I had the respect I needed before anybody really knew. And then once people started to find out, then it was never going to be an issue because they couldn't go back and say, listen, like, the gay kid isn't doing good a job. He's not, you know, 
showing up on time or whatever it is, right? I, I needed to to prove that I could do a good job and do great at what I was doing at that uh, in that position without having to worry about the personal side of it. And that's different for all kinds of people because now, I mean, if you did go to a new job, it'd be pretty clear to everybody that you're gay and nobody would care. You would hope no one would care because they, they see, they, they look at everything and they see social media and they see all these things, but they'll probably more likely going to look at your resume and go, no, he's, he's good at what he does. You know, For sure. And like, if, obviously, if the team is trusting him with a player like Wayne Rooney, I think they, they would be willing to say, no, he's, he's all right. For sure. <laughs> For sure. You'd hope so. And obviously, being gay is, is not on my resume, right? Like, that's no. not, it's, it's not it important. Is, it is a thing that when you apply to jobs now, people say, are you in a sexual minority? And I would assume that in my case, I really? haven't had to do this yet. Maybe some of them do. I've seen it. I don't know. I, I haven't applied for jobs in a long time. Some so. people would have did. And now... In my job, if, if I get to be play-by-play play and it's very public, I mean, it's going to be pretty evident pretty quickly. And sure. you hope you hope people... But, I mean, it becomes a part of the, the story of your life. You can't take that away from you. And, Definitely. And, I mean, now we're seeing people say, okay, we're going to make more outreach to these people. We're going to try to hire more people of all different minority backgrounds, sexual minority included. But I, I don't know whether... I mean, for me, it's not about saying, well... I'm bisexual or hire me because of that. No, it's about like, this is part of me and you're getting right. all of me in my job. And that's like, I, right. wa I want to be forthright with people, you know, and I'm assuming you want to be forthright with people too. It's like, this is a part of me and it's an important sure. part of me. It's For not, sure. it's not yes. going to define me, but it is an important part of me you need to know about. Of course. And it's, you know, I, I've told this story a couple of times. I've told it in a couple articles that have been written about me, but one of the more defining moments of, this crossover between my sexuality and my my job was in my first year i think it was a staff member of the team uh, like a first team staff saw my hrc sticker on my car and said hey you know what's that sticker on your car like, oh it's like hrc they do like lgbt rights whatever like, oh, okay i always mistook that for hillary rodham clinton for the longest time <laughs> Seriously, that that's not a joke i kind of did and now I, I mean, realize I now I realize what it is, but she goes by HRC too, so it works. Uh, yeah, I guess so. But uh, he said, "Hey, what is that?" And I explained it to him. I said, "Okay, are you gay?" And for some reason, like I just said no right away. And I was like, because again, it was my first year, so like I didn't know them that well, and but I was already out like very publicly, like I. You know, all my friends knew, all my family knew. There was no reason for me to say no like that. And then, you know, he just, oh, okay, cool. Moved on. And as soon as I said it, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh, what are you doing, dude? Like, you can't do that again. You can't lie to people. You can't, you're lying to yourself. Like, why would you say something like that? So from then on, I made the conscious decision to, like I said before, live pretty openly, you know, not care about what people thought about me at work in terms of uh, that side of it, right? And not care if I was hiding anything or not holding back. Uh, I, you know, I've said before, players follow me on Instagram. They have me on Snapchat. They have me on Twitter. Like, they see who I hang out with. Uh, it's, I, I'm not hiding it by any stretch of the imagination, right? Yeah, so, I don't think many straight men are going to go <laughs> go around to drag shows, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, if they do, great. You'd be surprised, but, actually. Well, though, I've seen good, some straight men drag to drag shows. It did, well, I want to get to that later because I think I have some sure. questions along that, that line. 
Uh, but I want to get now to some questions about, do you want to go about to questions talking about players and being in soccer and being in Major League Soccer right now with sexuality? Do you want to just get to Wayne Rooney stuff now? No, please go. Do the play. We can transition to, to Wayne. Okay, let's go to Wayne Rooney because this is a fascinating story. And in the article that Pablo Mauro wrote in The Athletic, if you haven't read it, you should. Um, and, and how it goes out that he finds out you're gay. I thought that was really interesting. But it's also really important because somebody like Wayne Rooney saying what he said to you is pretty meaningful because that is one of the most famous soccer players on the planet. And it's, again, it's not a given that somebody's going to think like that in this sport, considering where people come from and what you see happen around the sport. And so that has to be, in a small way, or maybe in a big way, depending on how you view it, that's got to be pretty affirming, right? For sure. And I knew, you know, not only him as a person, just as a, you know, another human being, but him as the player he is, him as our team captain, you know, his role in the locker room, like all of those things was was very supportive affirming i was i was pretty taken aback by the way he said it and it it wasn't that one time wasn't the only time he said that wasn't the only time he said he supported me and he's done so many things since that moment even recently that you know make me really happy to have him here to be able to call him a friend um him and his wife uh colleen who's also been very supportive you know it's it's been I've been very lucky because uh, I don't, you know, obviously you, you kind of expect or hope that they're going to think or say things in a certain way, but you never know. And going back to Robbie Rogers, his experience was kind of coming back in my mind when I was first meeting Wayne and I'm like, Oh, this guy obviously has played in England his whole life. You know, I don't know his background really. Like, I don't know what he's thinking about these things. So it was kind of an unknown to me, but this, like I said before, I wanted to do a good job and prove to people, everybody, the club, Wayne, that I could do the best that I could and do a great job in this role, taking care of him and making sure that he had everything he needed to perform well on the field. And I, aside from me being gay, right? Like that was a a totally secondary thing. And I think that, uh, that happened. And, and as I say, like you, you can't automatically assume that that's going to be the case with exactly. people at that level you, you just you, you never know and to hear it it does mean something for again random person on the street saying that it, that's good you expect that but still in sports it's it's never a given i've seen sports where that's certainly not a given and in soccer in some places it's clearly not a given and i mean that's a big statement to other players who's going to follow his lead not just at dc but you think everywhere if somebody grew up idolizing wayne rooney and I can understand why you would. He's one of the best players of this past generation of this sport. You would right. go and you'd see that and go, oh, I should do what he does. Right. If Without he thinks that way, then – right. Yeah, and, I mean and, – And also and, saying it publicly is a, is a really big deal too. It's uh, – yeah, I mean it's uh, – again, the more I think about it, the more it makes me happy and, and feel so supportive, supported that he is so supportive of, of me and, and, again, my life and – uh, me as a person um, and my community, our community, right? It's, I don't know if he realized the impact that his, you know, his support to me was going to be, um, how it was going to be so impactful and how it was going to be so important. Again, not, like you said, not only to me, but to everybody, to his fans, to, to the people in the LGBT community, 
uh, etc. Like it's it's been very important, and, and I'm super honored to have been able to kind of shed light on his position on that and, and his support and, and what he thinks about that. Because you know the, the different relationship that you have with the press at this country. You know, in D.C., you've got a couple of people who are always on the beat. They're always going to come around. You get a relationship. You get a rapport with them, right? And they're in the locker room, too, as opposed to the mixed zones or those little cubby holes they have in England. And, you know, the tabloids who don't have information right. you know, here's a man in a striped shirt when I could have Google searched who you were. It's a very different relationship. Right. And, again, sure. I, 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 it, it does matter. And I, and I talked about it on the last show, and, and Dan is great, but I think the, the way you know that the progress is being made is the little things like this. And, and there's a story in here about Ben Olsen, who's been D.C. United's manager since the Stone Age, pretty much. Or at least it feels like the Stone Age. Um, <laughs> Not too, too long, but yeah. Well, 10 he's years as a second. soccer manager is a long time. Yeah. A very long time. Uh, I think and, he's the second he's, longest running. Sorry. Maybe. I don't know. I've I normally wouldn't know this off the top of my head, but not not in this day because I'm thinking a lot about the NFL, which, again, sorry people, sorry people. When your quarterback gets breaks his clavicle and you're just like, really? I mean, it's week one, and that's what you've invested a lot in for your entire life, and your team wins nothing. Anyway, uh, the thing with Ben Olsen that's so interesting is I think if if I got this story wrong, please correct me on it, but there's something about him going like, you can have off at, you know, go to a pride parade. This is your day to have off. And by the way, I'll see you there. Like, that's the real big moment of this is acceptance and you're part of the family. And that is priceless. Doing pride nights is one thing, right? But that's sure. the stuff that legitimately shows that progress is being made. And that's the stuff that helps people come out. That's the stuff sure. that helps people feel really secure. Pride night, you know, you could do that to sell T-shirts. You could do that because, well to equivalent a Star Wars night to somebody. And I would like that, but it, it's probably something that has happened. But that's the kind of stuff that is truly impactful. Absolutely. Um, not only for him to tell me that, but to you know to tell me, listen, I know this is your day. I know this is important for you. Go. Like, go be with your people. Go and enjoy it. Like, we'll see you on Monday. I, I know that that's what he was thinking. And that is personally just, like, awesome to hear. And just also him and his family, again, same thing, being out there supporting us, like enjoying with his kids, like his kids love the parade. This year, he sent me two pictures of, uh, of his two kids, you know, with rainbows and the beads and having a great time at the parade again. Um, and I was sad to have missed him. We were a couple blocks away, but just those little things, like they mean so much. And, and I don't even know, like I said with Wayne, I don't even know if Ben really understands the impact that he has by doing those little things but it's it's really special to see it means a lot and 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 i've always thought of it like well that's just a basic act of decency now but when you consider what's happened before and you learn about the history of the community that stuff is hugely impactful even if i come from a mindset where you know i would be saying like oh that's just basic decency that's what you should be doing you know and that takes away the impact of it i think in my mindset but it allows me to go and say, well, I'm going to treat people as they should be treated because that's what you should do. But I, that's what I'm saying. Like, the impact of that is more important than almost any Pride Night could ever muster. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. And it's not like I'm saying Pride Night's bad. It's not. But I'm saying that's the stuff behind the scenes that is infinitely more important in many ways. And I'm, and I'm sure. sure you kind of feel that way, too. Like, DC Night having a Pride Night is great, and it makes you feel good, right? Because you're the public face of it, at least this year. 
But it's the stuff behind the scenes that it means so much more because Pride Night's one night out of 17, 17 home games. 17 home games. That stuff for you is every single day. It makes you like, okay, I'm, I know I'm comfortable here. You know, it, it is. You're not wrong. But at least this year, this was our our second, uh, we call it the night out, um, Pride Night at Audi Field. Uh, the first one last year, you know, was okay. It rained. It was not a great night. Um, but also, I think it was, like, no disrespect to the people who did do it and help run it, but it was, I think it was a little forgotten because it was pretty soon after the opening of the stadium and, um, you know, they were kind of scrambling to have things done and it, it wasn't, we didn't do the numbers, you know, there was a lot of things that like we were kind of lacking to be honest. And this year, for whatever reason, the club made up for, you know, tenfold in numbers and the, the pregame kits and, and every little thing there was drag Queens doing the coin toss. That was like, what I was about to say, like, didn't, didn't that happen? It was incredible. I mean, it, it was, and, yeah, and on top way, of that. That ain't happening in a Washington Potatoes game. <laughs> exactly. Um, it, you know, those, you know, those little things do a good also. Pride I'm just saying that, that, again, imagine that happening in an NFL game. That would be, <laughs> I would love to see the people. I, I would love it. One day, one day. Oh, I just Maybe. love it for the, to watching people melt down. That would be the, the entire reason why we do it. <laughs> if I was running an NFL but, team, I'm like, I'm doing it just to see people lose their minds. Just to well, torture people, because I don't yeah. care. If you're a homophobe, you get nothing from me. <laughs> I will torture you as much as I possibly can, because you don't deserve that. But anyway, I mean, that that's just the stuff that I want. I want to get into, this is a question I've had since I started following you on Twitter. Because of your background, and because... You speak fluent Spanish, obviously. You have a relationship with a lot of players in the locker room that most people may not have. And you also come from a background that they can see. And there are so many Latin American players in MLS now. And DC United is not alone in that. Have they talked to you about your sexuality? And if they have, what has those conversations been like? You know, no. I haven't... Again, same thing as before. What I said is, you know, they almost all of them have me on all the social media or most of them. Um, so they can see it and they know, and, and I think they get it, but I don't know. We've never had to talk about it to, to, to be the short answer of your question. Um, I don't, they've never asked me. Um, they, you know, haven't commented on any, any pictures that I post or anything like that, like asking questions or, or wanting to have any sort of conversation about it or coming out and saying something like Wayne did. Um, that's never happened. Not to say that they think any differently because I get along very well with them. I've, you know, some of them I've done quite a lot for over their course, uh, you know, over their career at the club. So it would be <laughs> interesting for them to not respect me hundred percent as a person because of, of all the things that I do do for them. I, I mean, uh, you, as I say, you can't really predict with some of these people, and I'm not saying that anybody in DC United is bad. We, there's no evidence of that. But do you want to have those conversations? Because I think, you know, there is no doubt a Latin American soccer player that's gay. There's just no way that that isn't possible or that isn't happening. Right. And so right. do they not do they not feel like it's comfortable to have those conversations? Because it's not something that they come from in their background, and that's the thing that I'm trying to, to more – 
put into my own thought process when it comes to this is because yeah, you know, I come you. from a background where that's even a thing. You know, that's... In, in, if you're living in Washington, D.C., as you have done for your life, you're going to see it at some point because you're in Washington, right? For sure. If you live in any near any American major city, you're going to see it at some point. It's not necessarily the case if you're coming from even Buenos Aires, Argentina or Mexico City. It's not something right. you're likely to see. And so that's what I wonder. And it's like, well, they have you to talk to if they wanted to talk to about it, if they ever have any for questions. Sure. Um, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, I mean, I'm, I would be more than happy to speak to any of our players, whether regardless of where they're from, um, because uh, you know I, I would am more than happy and would love to be that sort of resource and that sort of um, I don't know outlet to find out more about whether it's me or or the community in general, um, how that relates to being like you said being in latin america being spanish uh, that dynamic as well it'd be great it'd be great to have those conversations i don't seek that out and i would never seek that out with them um because i don't know that's just not who i am i'm not again i'm not i don't want to make things about me it's people want you know, to do I'm, that but i mean if somebody ever asked i mean like i thought that it could have happened just out of pure curiosity one day yeah could be um but no um yeah, it's like yet. the visibility is so key it's like Unless you see somebody like you in that position, you may never think that, well, do I belong here? Or I can't be this way while I'm here. And I'm pretty sure, as I said, if there's a Latin American gay soccer player, there has to be. There's just too many of them not to be. It's just by talking about numbers. Just statistics. Yeah, and that's why I say, and I'll get to that in a bit, but we have to pivot to the one gay player who you did work with, which is Colin Martin. So I'm surprised it yeah, took me definitely. 52. Surprised it took me 52 minutes to get to that topic. <laughs> Very surprised. Uh, but he, when you, I mean, he was on DC United before he went to Minnesota, and obviously you got to know him pretty well. Uh, you know, again, two gay play people in any normal job in 2019, not really a big deal. That's going to happen in most workplaces. Professional soccer, big dang deal. And this is before he's For out. Sure. And so. You know, and now you see what's happened after he's come out, and it's pretty incredible even thinking about it now. So, do you look back on it and go, maybe see? I mean, I'm not just put from your perspective, but you think like you know, him being around you, that has to have helped, because you have somebody who was working with you a little bit, and that's got to give him at least you know some confidence, and you know that's where they hire people in ops roles who are gay because that'll help you know that visibility right <laughs> maybe i'm I thinking mean, of it from the wrong perspective but i i think that it's just like just the impact of seeing somebody there has to really no, help 100 percent. uh when you know colin was a homegrown player so he was from he's from maryland he he lived at home his whole, beautiful chevy chase actually well they're basically the same thing as far as i'm concerned <laughs> almost enough. identical um i know they're he not he was from the area so I didn't, I didn't work with him as much at all, really, like one on one, you know, um, doing all the things that I do with all the new players because he already had that base. He was so young when he signed with us, anyway. But I did spend a lot of time with him, obviously, and and we did become friends and and we hung out and um, you know whether it was just out at team events or whatever. But he told me even last year, you know, not to put any words in his mouth, but. 
you know, basically let me know that my outness and my visibility definitely helped him get gain some confidence, which really meant a lot. And I, I, you know, to be honest, teared up at that comment and, and was, it was just really, it meant a lot for him to, in the position that he's in with so much more visibility and, and everybody in MLS knows who he is. And, and I'm so happy for him. He deserves it. And he's, he's been such a great, you know, ambassador. He's been such a great, I don't know, leader in that sense and, and kind of taking it. Um, I just, I don't know how to say it. You know, he's I been, know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's just been really great for him and he's been perfect at it. And, and I mean, I know you don't want to toot your own horn, but you played a role in that. And you should be, you should feel proud that that happened. Hundred percent, I do. I'm, I mean, I'm. However little or however much it helped, I'm glad that I was there for him. Even though we only, like, I only knew about him and his sexuality until the last year that he was with us before he went to uh, to Minnesota. So we had quite a, you know, a couple talks about it and. You know, how he was feeling and whatever, and, and that he had a boyfriend at the time and all this stuff. And it was just really great to hear that. And it was so cool to hear that from a player <laughs> and not only a player just in MLS, but a player that played for our team and that was from here. And that was just a great guy. And I, again, I'm just, I'm so happy for him and everything that's happened to him since. And well, he deserves it all. Well, James Corden isn't funny, but beyond that. <laughs> I, uh, well, I the mean, funniest I, thing about him is he roots for West Ham United. I had to say it. It was coming. It's the inevitable joke. Does he make DVDs when West Ham beats Tottenham the one out of four times they do that? Oh, okay. Anyway, sorry, that was inevitable. Another inevitable joke. You're good, you're good. I, I, have to, I have to do it. If Colin Martin gets on this podcast, that might be one of the – I joked last week about if I get somebody like this on the podcast, then that's the end of the show. I'm not going to top it. Well, Colin Martin, it wouldn't be like a podcast sender, but it would be one of those where I'm like, well, I have to really actually prepare to do a show here as opposed to just – Yeah, for it. sure. But yeah, Just if you can out. help make this happen, I'll buy you any amount of alcohol you want, even though I don't drink. <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll, one. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah, I'll Off see what I can air. do. Off the air. Uh, for you though, when you look at just where you are now and thinking about all that you've done, and just professional and being out, right? Could you have ever imagined when you're somebody who's still kind of figuring out your sexuality that you would have ever gotten to a place like this? Oh man, no, not really. Honestly, I mean, it it's been such it's been such an important part of my life since, and that I, my biggest regret is that it didn't happen before. That I wasn't already like in this place before, you know, in college at least, right, or or even before college. So uh, I I can't imagine dealing with all the things that I do deal with, which are stressful enough <laughs> in my job and being as busy as I am in my job to be dealing with this on the side, to be dealing with the whole coming out process. And I know so many people who, who do it at my age or even older, you know, I, every, again, everybody has their own way to come out and um, they go through their own processes. And um, there's no age that's too young or old for that, for, you know, that individual person. But for me, I think it was a good time just in that transition between, being done with college and being uh, starting a, a full-time job and um, kind of it was a good shift in my life 
especially moving from the south back to you know north dc uh, a more much more liberal city much more liberal area much more accepting um, so it was a good time in my life to make that jump if you will yes and i do want to mention the specifics of your job you said you help find players apartments you are basically the driving not just the driving service for wayne rooney but you drive players was it two from airports you know so that means a lot of trips out to america's favorite airport dulles right oh man what a what a place i know i know it's it's wonderful when and and you can't exactly you know take the players on the metro not even that it's not built out to dulles yet but you can't kind of do that right oh uh, um, do you know of the website is metroonfire.com i don't but well, i you do. can already I can already tell exactly what it's going to be. Yeah, well, I, I learned about it when I was studying at the great University of Maryland, and it made me laugh because, you know, because you've been on the Metro, it's there's something wrong with it at all times, whether it's not running and the Qatari government has to pay to keep it open during the Stanley Cup final for the Capitals, a real thing that happened, or there's yep. construction and it takes 45 minutes to get there, wherever it is you're going. Oh, by the way, the Metro isn't on fire as I look at this right now. Amazing. Okay, good. And good you to also hear. have good to drive to on uh, America's favorite highway, the Beltway, which is terrible. I don't do that too often. You to don't be do that too I, often. Well, I, you I try to for long enough that you don't do that. I try to stay away. I I cannot think of many roads in America that I hate more than that road. It's awful. Uh, honestly, I'm on 66 quite a bit, and that's pretty yeah, bad. It's bad, but it's I mean they're all bad around Washington. But the, the, That's true. the Beltway has a special place in hell. <laughs> it does. Now, I have to ask the question about your job specifically because it's a, you deal with this and you can be as diplomatic as you want with the answer to this question. And it's, a, it's become a big issue in MLS with CBA and that's charter flights. And I want it, and you would know more than anybody. And you told a story about was it was flying to Vancouver on the Gay Footballers podcast with you, which you should listen to, by the way. And how you have to connect because there's no direct flight from Washington to Vancouver. And oh, yeah. flying in Major League Soccer, it's coach most of the time. If you didn't know that. See, professional sports all is usually chartered. Is it all the time for you? Is it all the time for you? Unless you're like training up to New York but or Philadelphia. Correct. Well, we'll take a bus to Philly. So. Oh, you'll take a bus. Well, that know. sounds terrible. I've taken a bus from Washington to Philly. And it took seven hours or like five hours. It was awful. Ooh. Yeah, I was not good. I only took the train from that on. Uh, but you have to deal with that sort of thing, and it's a, it's a big MLS issue. As I said, you can be as diplomatic as you want to be. Uh, it's it, it makes your life probably a lot more difficult than it needs to be, and you don't have that ability that other teams have, which is those charter flights. Yeah. I will say charters have their own challenges. Um whether it's cost, whether it's preparation, you know, on, they do make other things obviously a lot easier. For example, you just show up and you get on the plane and you go and you can do it whenever you want. No after a game, you can just, you can just bust at the tarmac, you get right on the plane, you can go home right after or however you want to do it. It makes that side of it quite a bit easier. Um, but there are some other challenges. Uh, it, like I said, on the, that gay footballers podcast, the Vancouver trip for us in DC is, is the toughest trip by far because it's as far as you can go and there's no direct flights. The only place we can't fly direct. And to put that in perspective, you know, we're pretty lucky about that because teams like Vancouver, teams like Columbus, teams like, I don't know, Montreal at times, 
they have to connect in almost every situation or many, many situations. Columbus, I think, connects almost everywhere, um, at least on the West Coast. Maybe not to Philly because I, I did um, fly direct from Philly to Columbus for that one trip that shall not be mentioned again, which I saw <laughs> three times on this one episode, which is weird. Well, that's tough. Oh, uh, yeah, going going to the first time the U.S. loses to Mexico in Columbus was definitely difficult. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. But, uh... And but, then watching Maryland get killed by Ohio State in football the next day, like, 62-3. to three. Never mind. <laughs> well, that, that one, uh, you probably saw coming. Well, I did see that one coming, yes. Uh, last year, I was calling high school soccer when Maryland almost beat Ohio State, coincidentally. Oh, there you go. I did just stop doing a Maryland sports podcast, for those of you who are not quite caught up to what I do, and nor really should you be, but I did do a Maryland podcast for four and a half years, and then when that stopped... I decided to do this instead, hence why sometimes Maryland references will get slipped in here because I'm still so used to doing a podcast every week about Maryland. And they're good now at football, and I had to stop podcasting. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, like, that charter flight issue is going to be probably one of, like, the preeminent issues when you talk about the CBA, among many issues, I think. And, I mean, again, sure. you don't think uh, about how important travel is because in most leagues you don't have to deal with the travel like you do in the United States and, and Canada. For yes, sure. and for um, you that has to be one of the most annoying logistical challenges of your job right it is it is i i, I don't know I, I wouldn't even call it annoying to be honest because we're just so used to it and we're so used to the process and uh that's just how it is here and you know we're always looking to improve and always looking to make it at least with us make it the best situation that we can out of what we have um so I'm, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's annoying, but when you had to travel for even just going to LA or we're going to Portland this weekend, that's a five and a half, six hour flight out there. You know, it's direct, but it's still long. And that's one and thing that we can't really like, and it's coach. So you're flying alongside random other people. Yep. So I also I mean, remember you, I remember you saying about like, I love these stories because it shows just how far MLS has to go in the, in the canon of the sports in this country. Because, like, if, if we saw an NFL team flying coach for whatever reason, you'd know pretty quickly what was happening. With the, didn't you say on, that, on, on the Gay Footballers podcast, it's like people have no idea sometimes, like, oh, my God, that's D.C. United flying coach yeah. on a flight wherever? I mean, we kind of get it all, to be honest. We'll get, you know, big fans of Wayne. We'll get people who recognize the logo and say, Oh, there's a soccer team. We'll get people who ask, Oh, what are you, are you guys a college team? Or are you guys a high school? Oh, like that would be, we get, that would be just like face palm inducing. Those are really tough. Those are tough. Or like, Oh, where are you from? Well, it let me look down my shirt thing, that says DC. Oh. Yeah. See, see so, I, I mean, can't deal with that for very long because I'd just be like, come on guys. I mean, the answer's in front of you. You, you can't like do like a, a exactly. like take a picture and put it up into Google search. It's like, Okay. <laughs> you must have a much higher patience tolerance than I do, because I would never be able to deal with that. But also, I'm well, a journalist, so therefore, if I saw like people on a coach flight, I'd be like, they don't want to talk to me here. This is not the place to talk to them. I'm going to let them be. Right. And you'd be surprised how many people don't oh, have that I'm not process. How many people don't do that? It's it's uh, again, it's like they're traveling. It's none of my business. They don't yeah. they don't want to be there as much as you don't want to be there. <laughs> I mean, imagine imagine um, DC United flying southwest and having to get the boarding numbers, right? 
Yeah, I know you probably yep. don't do that, but I'm, I'm just saying, just for the sake of comedy. You know, Southwest, two for bags, so that's oh, really not that bad. I, I see, but then all the players have to sit separately, though. Yeah, but they prefer that almost. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to get into that. I don't, I don't think that's fair. <laughs> I don't think that's fair to you. Okay, I have to ask, now a couple of other quickies before we start to wrap this up. What is your sure. favorite Wayne Rooney story that you feel comfortable saying to a podcast that might be listened to by tens of people? <laughs> My favorite Wayne Rooney story. Um, while I think of one, I'll tell a quick one about traveling. And uh, when was it? I think we were going to maybe Atlanta or we were going to Cincinnati or I can't remember. It was like in the summer. But regardless, he's oh, no, it was, it was last year. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We're on a flight, and Wayne always sits uh, on the window, likes the window, and he always sits with one other player, but never in a middle seat, so there's always somebody in the middle. Oh, and... Rooney's like me. <laughs> I never thought I would ever be able to compare myself to Wayne Rooney at any point <laughs> in my life. He likes to wait just like I do. He enjoys a good sleep on the plane when he can. I can't sleep on the plane anymore, though. That's the one thing. Wayne, if you're listening, but, uh... teach me how to sleep on a plane again. <laughs> the guy asked you know i guess they were just talking and making conversation and then oh like what do you guys do your soccer team yeah oh don't you guys have that one player wayne or something rooney oh, this no. is the guy asking wayne and wayne oh, said oh no. yeah he, he, he's oh where where is he do you know where he's sitting like i want to see i want to see where i take a picture or something and wayne said oh no he wouldn't be back here with us he's up in first class <laughs> And the guy, and the guy. Oh, okay, yeah, you're right. No, that's true. And t when the flight landed, he started googling. Was, you know, he turned his phone off, airplane mode. He started googling, and you know, you kind of see him make that click and make that realization. He's like, "Oh wow, I think I'm just talking to this guy." And he, his eyes kind of opened up. He kept looking at Wayne, and then he walked off without saying anything. But Wayne and me and and <laughs> a couple of players just started laughing because we knew exactly what had happened. Oh boy, I'm I'm cringing just sitting here thinking about that it, that's it, bad it, it's 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 funny the people you know some people have no idea who he is and that's kind of why he's loved being here because again you know, i mean I so think a lot of players like that you know you can go into major league soccer and wayne rooney could walk down the street in washington and there's a decent chance he wouldn't be recognized 100 percent. i mean maybe not he's now, definitely but like if if let's say it's just even in like i don't know any random Cincinnati, maybe. I mean, I couldn't think of a more random MLS city than Cincinnati uh, at this point. It's like he could walk down the street and he wouldn't be recognized. I think a lot of players coming to the league, particularly the Latin American players, depending on where they come from, right? That's something they absolutely yeah, yeah. love. Probably more of the European guys, like the bigger name guys, but for sure. I mean, um, I think I've read Dean Larry say that a couple of times, right? Oh, really? I, I could think be. I've I'm not that. sure. I don't know. But definitely, like, guys like Pirlo, guys... Uh, yeah, I'll ask him. <laughs> Kidding. Uh, but guys like Pirlo, guys like Lampard, like, they have all said the same thing. Even in New York, like, oh, I can just walk down the street and, you know, it's it's a normal for me, normal for my family. It's just such a different life. Um, and on top of that, Wayne's always said this, that even the interaction that we do have when we're out and about are very nice and very polite. And especially when, you know, if he's with his kids, they're respectful of that. And so many people will just come up and say, hey, Thanks for coming to DC. Thanks for what you're doing. You know, I just want to say hi. Uh, and those kind of interactions are, are really nice, actually, because at least for me, seeing it, I, it, 
it makes me see how much of an impact he's had on the city. And hopefully he sees that as well, because even people you know, who don't necessarily like soccer that much or don't know too much about it, know who he is now and know what he's done and, and know what he's done, not only for the team, but for the city and for the league. And it's, you know, it's been, it's been quite the year and a half. So I, those little moments hopefully make him realize that. And unfortunately he's leaving. And I, I was one of the people who was a little bit skeptical of him coming to the league. And then, you know, he hits the banger to hit Lucho's head to beat Orlando, yep. which is still one of the craziest things I've ever seen in on a soccer pitch, that goal. And you go like, okay, no, he, 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 he did something pretty big. And, you know, he's done more for the city of Washington than that stupid other football team did. <laughs> Never a bad time to make fun of how terrible they are. And that's just not me because I grew up outside of Philly. I don't like the Eagles, but that's just one of those things. Uh, Fair enough. And I'm going to say this for, for the sake of sanity. I don't root for any team in Major League Soccer, although I have followed a team you're not most fond of, which is the Union, because I'm here and I've done things yeah. for them. And my uncle, his season ticket holder of the Earthquakes, so we talk a lot about the Earthquakes. So, okay. Yeah, it's, that, I've watched Major League Soccer because I feel it's an obligation to watch Major League Soccer. And it's a good league. It's fun. Watch it, people. It is. Yeah, it's great. It's I enjoy great. It's getting better. I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, you could say what you want about expansion. I have my thoughts on Major League Soccer. They're best not talked about here. That's for another podcast on another day. But the league, the, again, you got to care about the league. I, I've never understood Euro snobbery when it came to soccer. I... I don't root for a team in Major League Soccer, but I watch the league because there's a good reason to. It's fun. It's entertaining. Why sure. wouldn't you? Uh, I have to ask the question. I think I saw you do this on Twitter. If I'm wrong again, you could correct me. Have oh, no. you taken some DC United players to gay clubs? Has that happened? I, uh, oh, God. Uh, I don't think so. I thought I saw that maybe happen once or twice. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm getting stuff mixed up in my head. I have i don't think so i'd have to think about that i don't think so my answer is no i have i mean i've seen colin out i've been out with colin well that's different obviously which yeah <laughs> that's, di um, that's different that's different now you're really making me like question it i don't think so would you if they, if they said... wanted to come 100 percent. oh you know what it was probably I was probably in Columbus, and I was with some staff members. Oh, uh, I don't remember when it was. It's, it's a thing that got called. Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, – <laughs> that, that was a good time. We just stumbled into that place, um, which is great. Like, would you, though? I mean, if, if, if a player said, hey, I want to go experience this. 100%. 100%. Um, I mean, that that's such an easy – like – if they want, I don't know, you, well, for something like a drag show or something like that. Well, anything of that, of that ilk. Or just, I, I don't know, I mean, just going to a bar is different from like seeing a drag show, but I would, I would definitely have them. Okay, now I'm going to step back a little bit because yes, I would, but at the same time, gay bars and gay clubs are for queer people and for the people of the LGBT community and I have experienced quite a bit of them being you know taken over almost to use a maybe not a great term but by people who aren't queer 
So, You're, but it's different for you, I think. You wouldn't go in with that mindset. You go in and you just say, like, this is what it's like, you know, or just to yeah, see a little they, bit into your life or something like that. For that, sure. If they want to come out with me, that. then great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd be happy to have them experience it. Well, I would, love, them, to see, you know. I would love to see DC United Digital take players to a drag show just for the sake of just how. Oh, that'd be awesome. Oh, well, I have said on this podcast, this might get me killed. Drag's not my thing, but one okay. thing that is my thing is watching people who have no idea what it is try to comprehend what it is. <laughs> that is entertaining as hell. I think my favorite I mean, Gus Kenworthy tweets are him tweeting about straight people watching Drag Race. Yeah. Yep. Even though I don't, it's not my thing. I'm not going to say I don't like it. It's just not my thing. It's not what I'm interested in. But I do know what it is. Watching straight people who have no idea what it is is just brilliant because it's just watching the wheels turn in their head. And yep. that's amusing. I mean, that was that was me, right? When I first heard about it, I was like, "Wait, is this a is this a woman? Is this a man?" Like, I had to have it explained to me. And once I get it, then you know, you really appreciate. Uh, you know, I started to really appreciate the art of it and the art I, of drag and, and the entertainment the of it. Art of it, I appreciate the characters. I'm just saying that they're not a thing that is my thing. And that's, yeah, it's okay. It's not for everybody, I, obviously. I, I uh, want people to know that I don't dislike it in any way. And when I have kids with a man or a woman, if there's like, you know, drag queen weeding time at the library, my kids will be there instantly. I think the thing for me with drag <laughs> is that, well, yes, because I view them as just characters. I mean, right. It may, yeah. I, I try to, maybe it does it wrong for my own mind, for like a more like global mindset, but I, I try to divorce that in many ways from like what drag is and just seeing them as like characters and I'd be like, no, oh, they're not characters I'm interested in. But if you view them as just characters, that's a good way of teaching your four-year-old to accept what drag is because then they'll say, well, it's nothing different than somebody dressing up as a pirate. Am I wrong? I think it's a good way to introduce it. It's not the way that I would introduce people to it like later, but it's like, it's a way to say normalize it because then they understand what it is pretty quickly. It's like, oh. Sure. A man dressing sure. up as a woman is no different than somebody dressing up as a pirate. It's the same yeah, principle. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Maybe, maybe that's it. Also, and as I said, DC United's digital team. If Roy will agree to do that, let's get that video made because it would be amazing. <laughs> maybe it's also because I don't think many drag queens are going to lip sync to, you know, Pearl Jam. Might be another reason why I'm not maybe the biggest fan of it. But Okay. I think you have to find the right drag queen. Uh, maybe in Seattle. <laughs> I was going to say, have you, do you know who uh, Adore Delano is? I've heard probably of some. If you if you went into the weeds, I would probably be like, eh, maybe not. But more <laughs> of the famous ones. I follow I follow you. I follow other people on the on in the Twitter sphere who talk about it. So, yes, I know who some of them are. But not a ton. But fair enough. Fair enough. But I'm saying, like, if, if we're getting drag queens doing lip sync to your life to, I don't know, Dear God by XTC, then call me up because I want to see that. <laughs> Is that, is, uh, I, is that song too in for you? I have no idea who that is. XTC is an English band. I like them. Okay. Or maybe Talking okay. Heads. Does that one work a little bit better? Okay. I know who Talking Heads are. Okay. Yeah. If they're doing, if, if that would be that would be one of those. And so it's like maybe maybe my music taste doesn't quite fit. I don't know. But and that's alright. Any, anyway, uh, <laughs> I want to wrap this up as best I can. Even though the trying to wrap this up will take about twenty minutes because that's what happens on these particular podcast 
for you now, where you are and from where you started in terms of just coming out and now getting to DC United to where we are now, it's a completely different world. And it's great. There's now an openly gay player in Major League Soccer, and it's somebody who you've thankfully be able to have a good relationship with. And pretty sure that statistics will tell us that there are more in Major League Soccer. They're just not out yet. So what do you think is next? Not just, I guess, for you, but for specifically this sport, specifically soccer. Where do you, what do you think is next for the LGBTQ community in, in this sport in particular? Because we saw what happened with that gay footballer Twitter account back in July, which was frustrating. We've seen that, there's, that there are players coming out. We've seen that there is more support and more is being done to combat stuff like homophobic chanting than ever before, even though it's not clearly enough. But where do you think we're going? Because if you just look back on I mean, your six years in this sport professionally, it's grown immensely. And so yeah, that I mean, would think, it would seem to lead to there being great or even bigger things in the future. For sure. Um, I, I, I think there's so many different ways to, to talk about this, right, to answer it. You know, Number one, every team should have a, a night out or a, a pride night. Um, not every team has one. So I Does think that's every team one. Major League Soccer have one? I thought that wouldn't be the case. But maybe no, yeah, there's, I think there's two, maybe three that don't. That seems weird um, because, again, maybe, it's, maybe I assume things because of who MLS is marketed to. Well, somewhat marketed to, and who are soccer fans in this country. But yeah. maybe I'm not thinking uh, closely enough. I think that – so I think that's one big thing, one big step and, and step that can be taken to just like you said, create some visibility, whether there's a gay t- player on the team or not, whether there's a, you know, um, a gay staff member, it doesn't matter. Right. Like it, that, it, it helps so much for that community and it's the right thing to do for the team. And, you know, obviously in my opinion to provide that, even if it's just one of those 17 nights, like that just means so much to this community. Um, and it, it, I don't know if you saw this, there was a video that Colin was, was featured quite heavily. Oh, I've in, definitely uh, so, seen it. I've definitely yeah, the, seen it. The, the Kalen Carr video? Yep, yep. Um, he's awesome. He did such a good job. Colin Martin. I'll, I can sit through Kalen Carr. <laughs> no one's <laughs> ever said that before. I, I think like that's Caleb. first time for sure. I sat through that James Corden nonsense. I'll sit through anything. And, and that's just because <laughs> it's like, once you have one, and you know this because you're part of this community, once you have one, you latch onto it in a really major way. It becomes for sure. something for sure. that, it just, as I said, like, I can sit there because Colin coming out was one of the biggest reasons that put me over the top and said, okay, time to come out publicly. There's no reason why I can't do this now if he isn't, if he's able to do it. If he's if he, an active age league soccer player is coming out and I'm just sitting here on the couch doing nothing, I'm like what the hell? Am I doing? <laughs> you know, right? And again, I think that that is huge. And may, and it, we're lucky in major league soccer that somebody like Colin feels comfortable and had Robbie Rogers before him. But you know, this is not. I, I don't think the process is linear. It might happen in fits and starts. But but I mean, as you said, we're already in ways that we could have never imagined in terms of visibility now. I mean, is different. Yeah, and I think, I think the women's team helps a lot with that too, uh, in a different way. But I think their success and their visibility and their outness for so much longer 
has uh, been kind of a constant and that maybe people don't appreciate, but the, you know, people like Megan Rapino, Ashlyn and Allie, um, you know, Kelly O'Hara, there are so many players there that are out and proud and, and it's almost like uh, normal for, for those ladies to, uh, to be who they are, which is amazing. But I think helps a little bit that now they're getting even more attention with their, you know, equal pay fight with their second world cup in a row, you know, and people start seeing, Oh, Megan Rapinoe is this big star, but she's dating Sue Bird. Who's again, same thing. The greatest, one of the greatest female basketball players, at least in the United States. Um, so it's just those, I don't know, like there's so many different facets to it and they're all kind of interwoven, right? They're all kind of connected. I I think it's harder with the women versus men uh, coming out debate. It's so different. And I, definitely want women on this show who are out to talk about that because I can't explain it in ways that obviously they can. And obviously, you know, there is somebody who we forgot to mention on the show, and I'm ashamed that it took an hour and 23 minutes. And you, you know who I'm thinking of? I, I know. I was just about to talk your about great, it. Your great friend who is somebody yeah. I want on this show in the future. And it's just like, and this, 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 this Women's World Cup was so great for that. But you've got people like Joanna Lohman, who we're, we're referring to, who's been out forever. And if you're nicknamed Rainbow Warrior, that's probably the best distinction you could have right. at this point right. in time. And, I mean, that friendship for you, I mean, that's got to be just awesome, right? It, Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere, but it's it's been incredible. It's been, she's awesome, and yeah, I, I'm just so fortunate to know her and spend so much time with her and see her activism, and she inspires me every day. Um, not only as a player, more so not as a player, right? But um, she's just a great person, so much energy. She's so positive. She's beautiful. Um, it's, she's just an all-around amazing, amazing person. And I mean, I uh, think that, again, it's just even stuff like that. I mean, even if you're an MLS team and you're co-opting something from, from the women, just do it. There's no, there's no shame in that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For and sure. I, and, and, it's, and it's fascinating, I think. And, and – and as I said, I think it has to do with just MLS of who it's, you know, who the major fans are. That is why it feels like it's on the forefront of this. But, I mean, it's not Definitely. easy to be on the forefront of this. Like, it doesn't happen by accident that this is happening, right? You have to make an effort towards it. And for all that Major League Soccer has done wrong, and I could spend three hours talking about that. I'm not going to, but... You know, it does take some effort to get it right. And I do think in many ways, MLS teams do get it right. The large majority of them do when it For comes sure. to this. And, and the, like you said, the league as well. You know, sure. Every, you know, even, the, even the stuff they do do can be improved. And, and there's always room for improvement. And there's always things that you can do better and look to, to do more of or, or whatever. But they are making a very big effort to do this equal or uh, was it soccer for all um, they're doing their best to make it as normal and, and make the visibility as big as it can be um, and again every year even so, again like you said before since I've been in the league it's it's gotten better every year and I hope that we can just continue to improve and their involvement and their push can can get even better um, each club can get even better. So I'm, I'm looking forward to what's to come and, and how much better it'll be and how much, uh, you know, that support from the league and the teams will inspire 
the players, more staff, a coach maybe, who knows, um, to come out and, and be out and proud and just like, you know, just like Colin is, just like Robbie was, just like I am, uh, you know, hopefully. Hey, hey MLS those... teams, if you want to increase your visibility quotient, you know who you can hire as a play-by-play announcer. <laughs> there you saying, go. Just saying. Exactly. I mean, uh, Joanna did our play-by-play. Uh, I, I did not... see that, yes. She was, like, I think, probably the color. Yeah, she was color um, with, uh, I, I, with... with Dave. I'm, I I'm not going to get but... into play, talks about play-by-play in soccer because I'll go down a rabbit hole and probably prevent myself from getting any job in the history of soccer. But <laughs> it, 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 I have you have your thoughts on it when you do. I've done soccer play-by-play professionally, and it's it's not easy to do. But for sure, it, it is. I it was a, I want to ask quickly before we leave is for you like in terms of players coming out because I think that for a lot of people who aren't involved in this every day and don't think about this every day like we do. You know, players coming out is that barometer, and maybe because it's Major League Soccer, Colin's impact hasn't been as big as it should have been. I mean, it's been big, but if you follow, if you don't follow MLS, you probably don't know it. Like, where do you think about it for the global game? And you're Spanish, obviously, and Spain's actually a pretty tolerant country when it comes to this, but the sport on the whole, you know, it's still not where it could be. I know they could do a lot more. Good to see them finally do something these people but when do you think like because it feels like we're just it's going to happen soon right and numbers tell us that they're out there and the way society is going even globally people being more public about this means that it could happen soon it just like when do you think because you're in this game and you've met so many different players and you've in and you've talked with so many different players not necessarily about this but when do you think something like this is going to happen because as i said i feel like it's coming but you just never know when because this sport is so weird in so many ways and cultures are so different, but it, it feels though. Don't you feel like something is coming? Like you can't be kind of like, like we've seen one player come out this year in Australia. Um, but even then it feels like there's a big player waiting out there to tell their story. And it's just a matter of when, not if. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, I'm sure there is. and I'm sure they're going to be able to tell their story soon. Uh, I couldn't tell you when, when or in what way or what country. Um, I wish I could. I, I just hope that they feel that it's the right time and that they get the support not only around the world but in their specific team and their club um, that they deserve. And you know, I hope it happens this year. I hope it happens as soon as as soon as possible. I think it'd be incredible for somebody you know in one of those big leagues to to come out, uh, whether it's England, whether it's Spain, whether it's, you know, Germany, I think there's been a couple of ex Germans to come out. Um, yep. but they obviously did it after their career was done. So, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to make that kind of prediction or make that kind of, uh, give that kind of, you know, oh, what's going to happen. Like, when is it going to happen type comment? But uh, I just hope, I hope that it's soon because it, it would, it would be, it would be incredible. I mean, it, it would change a lot, and I hope would change a lot of mentalities. Um, again, not only in that specific country, but around the world, just about gay people, LGBT people, queer people in sports, um, and in soccer specifically, obviously. It's it's different in other sports, and when I say that, you know, in MLS is a long way to go, it's clearly, uh, it's like, if you're talking about the five major sports in this country, it's first out of five. I mean, just get out a player out, but it's just 
and, and yeah, hundred percent. It's kind of amazing to say, and and there will be talks on this podcast about other sports that I have issues with what they're doing. Hockey, excuse me. Wait, did I? Just <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Yeah, that's going to be a constant theme in this show. Uh, final, final thing. Is there anything that you wanted to say? You know, not a lot of people have been talking. You know, your story. I mean, you had the athletic. You have the gay football podcast. Now you have this one. And more people should be interested. Rory's a fun guy to follow on Twitter. Just he's funny, but also I think just for his story, it's important. It's still pretty unique in sports. Is there anything that people want to know about you that you want to say uh, that you now have a chance to do? Because you know, having one thousand two hundred Twitter followers is one thing. Having a podcast listened to by fifty people is clearly another. <laughs> That's a whole other level. I know, right? It's on iTunes. There we go. Um, it. Yeah, not really. I mean, I, I can't thank all the people who have supported me enough. Um, not only the people that I know, but the people I don't know on Twitter and Instagram. And, and, you know, I don't, again, I'm not like this big star. I'm not this big name, um, person in the soccer world, in the, in the sports world, but, um, the people that do know who I am and, and have supported me, since the article since before then uh i can't thank enough and it's been it's meant quite a lot to to receive that support um obviously i didn't i didn't expect anything like that to come about that attention um but it's been great and uh, i hope that i've said this a couple times but i hope that my little visibility that i am providing is helpful to you know another player, somebody who wants to work in the league, somebody who's coming out and, and isn't sure that they can work in sports or uh, that they can play in college or that they can you know I don't know. Uh, I just hope that I can be there for somebody who is maybe questioning their I don't know their role in in the sports world um, or just in general, right? Um, like I. I I've had a lot of messages from people kind of in that sense asking questions and, and saying that they are in a certain situation that um, they want to hear my side of it and, and my story and how I went through it. Uh, so it's been cool to, to have that experience as well. And I hope that there's much more of that. I hope Just like Colin, I hope that you know, we have this positive impact on the community and, and really proud to represent the community in DC, but just in general in the soccer world and, and be that crossover, be that bridge between sports and LGBT queer life. We belong. Basically the message I'm trying to get out with this show. Well, not, not to say we belong, but it's like, we're here and it's the same people you always knew, but right. Exactly. There's nothing different to us. Thank you, Rory, for being on. It's been an incredible pleasure having you. Where can people find you on the social medias to see all of these wonderful tweets that I'm talking about? <laughs> or Instagram pictures, whatever. I don't have an Instagram, so. Yeah. Uh, smash that follow button. Yes. Uh, at Rory Mueda on That's all two platforms. L's, by the way, in case you understand how, how Spanish pronunciation works. <laughs> you never we'll do know. Spanish I lessons. Have to, I have to say it. I have to say it. We'll do the Spanish lessons in the next show. Yeah, we'll definitely do the Spanish lessons in the next show. Uh, <laughs> I do want to say, speaking of uh, things you should know, uh, podcast now on iTunes. Look up the Outfield podcast there, Stitcher, and other places soon. We're going to try to do this weekly with many more guests. 
you will note that a lot of them are going to be soccer related because, you know, that's what I want. And uh, yeah, if Colin Martin comes on the show, Roy, I'll buy a beer next time I'm in Washington. There we go. Or whatever alcohol you choose. It'll be the only person <laughs> I've ever bought alcohol in my life because I don't drink. Okay. It, it has nothing to do with soccer. Actually, it might have something to do with Tottenham Hotspur being, you know, Tottenham Hotspur, but that's neither here nor there. It has a lot more to do with that team eight miles away, that school eight miles away. Anyway, not Sasha's team, but other teams. Anyway, sure, sure. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this show, and we will be back soon with more. Until then, 